this is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, April 25th, 2016. Stay connected with me in between shows on Instagram at Shanice Lewis, on Facebook at Shanice Lewis Show, and on Twitter at Shanice Show. Today we have a very special guest, Lucretia Joseph Baker. She is the lead designer of Lavender's Jungle, a fashion line created with the full-figured woman in mind. Established in 2012, in four short years, Lucretia has produced 11 collections, and her garments can be found in over 25 boutiques across the United States. And she has worked with some of the industry's top celebrity stylists, the Atlanta-based company known for cutting-edge fashion and innovative fashion productions, launched its latest collection, Urban Prep, to rave reviews. Today we're going to learn more about her and the brand. Let's welcome Lucretia to the show. Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I'm excited to talk to you and learn more about everything you have going on. Well, I'm excited to be here, so thank you. Your great-grandmother was a master seamstress and taught you how to sew at an early age. Now, what age was this? I would have to say it was between, like, six and maybe nine. I used to spend a lot of time with my great-grandmother, and to keep me busy and out of her hair, she would have me cut out patterns and, you know, hand-stitching buttons. So, you know, at eight years old, I'm hand-stitching buttons on, anything just to keep me busy and kind of out of her way. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, (laughs) being around her, I started to learn um, pattern development and and those kind of things. I was always excited to go with her to, like, the fabric store, Woolsworth, um, some old fabric stores from back in the day that don't even exist anymore. So it was a good time for me. And what a blessing it is you were able to even spend time with your great-grandmother like that because I never even met both of my grandmothers. So great-grandmother, that's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, you know, when I'm still working today, I I feels like she's here. You know, it feels like she's still massaging my hands and my shoulders and still training me. So, right, it's a right. blessing. <laughs> now, throughout your life, you designed and constructed garments for your family and friends. So, were you doing this throughout while you were in school, like high school and college? Yeah, I always, I've, I've just always, um, I can't really say design because when I was younger, I was cutting up socks and putting them on my Barbies and saying, you know, this fabulous dress I'm about to make. But seriously, making clothes for others probably started in about high school, maybe my first mm-hmm. year of high school, and I continued to do it. So I would make wedding dresses, prom dresses. You know, when someone in the town finds out you can sew, then everyone wants you to sew something fabulous for them. So. That's kind of how I got started. You could make something as elaborate as a wedding dress when you were in high school? 
I actually started out making formal wear. Yeah, believe it or not. Most wow. people, they kind of go backwards. They kind of shy away from formal wear because it is very detailed. But right. the women that I learned to sew from were seamstress. You know, they were tailors. And so these were the things that they worked with. They weren't into high fashion stuff working down the the runway. They were in bridal shops, you know. So this was the this is where I got my learning, my education. So formal stuff is where I started. <laughs> <laughs> so did you make your own prom dress to go to school, to the prom? Indeed, indeed. My own prom dress, my own wedding dress, friends' dresses, yeah. So much oh, so wow. that I barely make that stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> now, even though you knew from an early age that fashion was your passion, why did you decide to work in corporate America? You know, it's funny because I'm from Wichita, Kansas, and at the time that I really wanted to get off into fashion, there is no fashion really in Wichita, Kansas. There's no fashion schools or, you know, nothing like that. So um, I had got whiff of this person, Damon Johnson, big time in New York. And to me, New York is like the land of Oz. You know, growing up, I'm like, that's where I I need to follow the yellow brick road to the land of, you know, New York. And I was, calling this, I was calling this man's number. And, of course, he had, like, 15 receptionists, it seemed like, and they were not trying to have me getting through. So I was calling every day for probably about a month with, you know, I have my spiel ready, I'm designer, I'm going to do all these great things. And they would never let me through. So one day I called, and I just pretend that he and I were already on the phone. And I was like, um, I just got disconnected with Mr. Johnson. You need to connect me back to him right away. You know, we were just talking to him. You know, this made it sound very urgent. And mm-hmm. the lady was kind of like, well, who are you? And I was like, listen, I don't have time for that. You know, really acting snappy with her. And she's uh. like, okay, okay. So she connects me to him. And Jamie gets on the phone, and I'm like, ah. So he's like, hello, <laughs> hello. And so I'm like trying to breathe like, ah. Yeah, so I'm I'm a designer out of Wichita, Kansas, and he kind of just chuckled. He was like, okay, honey, you know, slow down, slow down. And this is really when, like, FUBU was, like, at the height, before Baby Fat had come out with anything. And at the time, I okay, wanted so to Okay, so you are talking about, for those who do don't know, this is the, the Damon that's on Shark Tank, the black guy yes, on Shark absolutely. Tank. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so um, when I finally talked to him, I'm telling him I, I design. I'm talking all fast. He can kind of see I'm nervous. He kind of chuckles. And um, I'm like, what do I do next? And he said, well, you should probably send some sketches over, you know. So I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to run around town, find this fax machine. I get the sketches sent over. They call me back and say, are you interested in moving to New York? And I'm like, absolutely. That's what this whole dream is about. Well, at the time, I was married. I was very young and married. I married when I was 18, and my Mm ex-husband at the time, he was 33. So he was very um, stapled in where he wanted to be in Kansas, and he was not interested in moving to New York. So that dream kind of died right there. And that was my Aww. reality of when you're, you know, when you're a kid and you have these big dreams and you dream, I'm going to do this, and you're rambunctious and you don't really care about where I'm going to eat or live. That was my reality moment to being an adult that, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm going to need to get a job because this whole dream thing is not going to happen. So that's when I started going to school, got into college, and kind of just took off from there, went into retail management and legal and things like that, and just that's how I got into corporate America. My dream of going to the land of Oz kind of died that day. 
Now, do you regret that decision? Do you do no. you go back and be like, I should have left him and moved to New York? <laughs> I eventually did leave him, but I got <laughs> I got two beautiful children out of that marriage, and so I don't regret that because my children are my life. You know, the reason why I'm doing the things that I do. So I don't regret it. Everything happens for a reason, and I don't believe right. that. I was mature enough, you know, at 19 years old to even go to New York on my own. You know, this naive girl from Kansas. I just think right. it. Eventually, I'm sure I would have made it through. You know, I have my mother's blood to survive, but it would have been very difficult for me. So this right now is a nice, easy transition, and all the years of working for some of you know the top companies that you can work for, learning their marketing strategies and. I mean, that's stuff I can't pay for. They paid me to work for them, and I got to learn that knowledge. So I don't regret it. So what is your background in corporate America? What was your um, field that you were doing? I was Well, first when I went into management, it was retail management. I used to work at a large retail chain um, that I was going um, in every day was, and kind of sh- I was shopping in. And they um, – I was helping customers when I were in when I was in the store. You know, I was because I knew about fit and clothing just because I made clothes, and so someone mm-hmm. would try to find a pair of jeans, and I would say, "Oh no, 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 you don't need that style of jean. You need this style of jean because your waist is higher." And so I was, you know, they saw me doing this on a regular, and then the manager was like, "Hey, you should come in and go through our management program," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Really?" And what's the discount if I do that? Like, do I get a because <laughs> I shop here every day? Like, do I get a discount? And um, anyway, so I went through the management program and became a store manager, and that was over the Gap, the Gap store. Mm -hmm. So I learned the retail and merchandising of Gap, Old Navy, um, all that, those chains of stores. And that was really good information, you know, working in those stores and learning how to um, to really view the public, you know, and answer to the public and, and how to merchandise a store. And then from there, I went into, like, um, actual corporate corporate America, working for Coca-Cola and um, Protection One, just different companies working in their management and legal team. That was my last employer, which was through the Coca-Cola company for their risk management and quality team. So and I learned that was not retail, but I learned so much there as far as, Marketing. I mean, they are a beast when it comes to marketing. And when I apply yeah. some of those things to this little company, I'm always surprised that, oh, my God, it worked. <laughs> now, you know, all so. the while you were um, doing corporate America, you were still living in Kansas, right? Well, and I did it here, too. So when I originally moved here from Kansas in 2004, I think it was, something like that, I started working with Coca-Cola here. And... um yeah, so I was doing corporate there, and I was doing corporate here when I moved here. I, fashion was not on my mind. not I didn't think, but the day that I left the company with Coca-Cola, I was clearing out my desk and looking on the back of some PowerPoint presentations that I had, and I had all these sketches of dresses and dresses. I mean, months and years of I had been there for so many years, and I had all these sketches crammed in my desk that I had been doodling in meetings and didn't even realize that my soul was like, this is where you need to be. And I sat there at my desk really like teary-eyed, like, oh, my goodness, this is my next step. Very scary, you know, but 
it just it's like a light bulb came on when I was sitting there and I was like, This is this is gonna be the next step. I'm not gonna apply for another job anywhere else. This is gonna be the next crazy step. So here right. I am. Now Lavender's Jungle is co owned by Sherry Baker. Now did you yes. know her in Kansas or you two met in Atlanta? Yeah, Sherry Baker is actually my wife. We've been together for 16 years. We moved here together in Atlanta, Georgia. We met in 2000 in Kansas. Um, Kansas is not really, Kansas is kind of the Bible Belt. And so we were kind of like that black lesbian couple everywhere we went. It was like we were that. And when we moved here, we, it was a whole was different experience. Just, oh, gosh. For one, culturally, you know, just having our people around us and then having a whole, you can go downtown, and it's like this whole gay, like, village, you know? Right. So it was no big deal. So we could kind of get comfortable. We're still reserved even, you know, within our ourselves, but still we could be comfortable and feel like, you know, if we go to a restaurant, somebody's not staring at us like, there they are. <laughs> mhm. Right, so, yeah, right. She um she co-founded the company with me though. And what's her role in the company? She does all the marketing and all the all the other stuff that, you know, behind the scenes as a designer, if I'm sitting at the sewing machine sewing all day, there's still other things that have to be done, the running of the websites and all of our social media, so you know, all the team that we have put together for that, she does it. And if I just wake up in the middle of the night and I have this crazy idea, like I want to shut down I-85 and have a fashion runway show, she's the person that's like, oh, Lord, let me go see if the city will give us a permit. She's that person (laughs) that, because I do do that. I wake up like, I want to do this. And, you know, the, the one thing I love about her, she knows my free spirit and she's just kind of like, okay, we're going we're gonna to see if we can make it happen. Instead of, girl, you crazy. You know, she's just, she's always that, we're going to see what I need to do. You're always challenging me with what I need to do to make your stuff happen. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she she does all of that. And I, I'm so grateful for that because when it comes time to develop a collection, my mind really has to be in that artistic mode. And I'm not thinking about, you know, what I need to eat or anything. I'm not thinking about other sides of the business. So she's that great asset to the company and, like, another part of me to run that that asset, that part of the company for us. Now, was it a challenge coming from corporate America background to the PLUS community because I feel, in my personal opinion, it's a lot of people in the plus community who are passionate about what they're doing, but they're not mm-hmm. business savvy. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, both Sherry and I have a business background. We both, you know, we always tell our sons, among the two of us, we have seven degrees. So how many degrees are you going to bring in this house? You know, we're always that. We have a lot of education behind us, a lot of corporate experience. And I think when we first started our company, um, people were kind of like, you guys just came out of nowhere and you just kind of got all this exposure. But what we really did was we took care of the business side first. So before, Mm -hmm. you know, we put any garment out or showed any garment, we made sure our company was legal, it was registered, that we owned our name, you know, we were doing all those kind of things in the background. So that corporate experience is very much the core of our business, you know, that that is business. 
and I think everybody should take business classes so they can learn those. I hear horror stories every day of someone saying, I agreed to this, and they didn't, you know, they didn't pay me or they did me wrong, and we always start every business venture with, I don't care who it is, a model, a producer of a company, anyone, with contracts. We always take care of the right. business side first. You know, we all, and some people are offended by that when they want to do business with us because, you know, we're like, okay, well, let's just go into a written agreement. And they're like, you know, why do we have to do that? But um, it just right. is what it is. You know, it makes me comfortable if we lay out expectations first, and then we can get to the fun stuff later. So right. I don't think it was a challenge right. in that aspect as far as business, but um I think getting into the fashion industry, it's kind of funny. You know, it's kind of like it's um, it's a facade. I don't know. It's kind of uh, smoke and mirrors. You know, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of that that goes on that I was not prepared for because in business, it is what it is. We talk numbers. We talk, you know, it's tangible. It's real stuff. It's not, oh, you got to go over here right. and play nice with this person so they'll put not you in a lot show. of foolishness. I'm like, right. I'm like, what? So I don't just pay the fee? Like, you know, it's like, no, you got to go kiss up to him. I'm like, oh, my God. This is this is craziness. <laughs> right, so, right, yeah, so right. That, that was the interesting part, you know, about really getting into the industry. So was that your biggest obstacle, you think, or was it something else that was a, a big obstacle in making the transition? No, I think that was really – Really, just learning the fashion industry, you know, like i my my background, like I said, comes from a bunch of old ladies who quilt and you know the seaming, so the whole side of like um oh yeah, this is couture or this is um hot couture, and I'm like that's not possible for that to be hot couture, what I know it to be the wording to be that's not possible for that to be that. And then I'm learning, oh, it's just a word you say when you want to say something fabulous. So, um, you know, kind of learning the lingo because I have to go back to my books and I'm like, okay, are we speaking the same language? You know, like I remember the first year we came out, we were in Full Figure Fashion Week. And I was terrified, first of all, because my, my wife entered me into Full Figure Fashion Week and I had no idea what was going on until I received a call from the team, and I was like, what? Like, who have you been showing our clothes to? What's what's going on? <laughs> and um, then I was like, okay, these clothes are just clothes I was just sewing, you know, for fun, but now I have to actually get a collection together. I have to really pull a collection together of cohesiveness, of, you know, structure, right, and right. I have to know what I'm doing. And when we went to Full Figure Fashion Week, I didn't know anything about what goes on backstage. All I know is I love fabric and I wanted to make fabulous dresses. So they're telling me, um, we're going to have someone come and help you, get the girls ready. And I'm like, okay. So I'm looking around and someone shows up and they say, do you need a dresser? And I said, no, I don't need a dresser. I send them off and I'm like, oh my God, this happened like four times. I'm like, why aren't they sending me anyone over here to help me get the girls together? And they come back and they said, well, do you need a dresser? And I'm thinking dresser to me is someone I put my clothes inside, my underwear, my socks, <laughs> you know. And so I'm like, why the heck would I fold my clothes at a fashion show and put them in a dresser? No, I don't need a dresser. I was like, what I really need is someone to help me get the girls dressed. And they're like, that's a dresser, sweetie. And I was like, oh, God. I just like, <laughs> I was like okay, I'm going to need to carry around a book with some terminology because – 
you know, I need to understand that we're speaking the same language. So just that whole, I mean, for that to be my first fashion show on the scene, that really taught me a lot backstage about just the quick change and just the production and just the busyness of it all backstage. So I'm really appreciative of that. Right. Now, you produce elaborate productions for your company that are very creative, especially for a plus-size clothing line. Now, what inspires you to create your own fashion events that's, that are outside the box? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for one, I'm a Pisces, and we we live in dream world all the time. Like, we believe in unicorns and all that kind of mermaids. And, um, and so I'm constantly in that space. Even when people are talking to me, sometimes I'm like, this person's like a whimsical butterfly, you know, like she's all over the place. You know, I'm somewhere else with it. And so when it comes to um, doing fashion shows, first of all, I don't like fashion shows. I hate sitting through fashion shows. Um, I usually get a front row ticket, and I'm picking apart the seams and all that. So I try not to be in them or really even go to too many of them because it's like work to me. But Mm -hmm. when we were talking about having our own production, we were like, you know, we don't want to have a regular fashion show. And Mm -hmm. what would it look like? So I love theater. I love the arts. And then I kept meeting all these fabulous just artists here in Atlanta, like people who do music, stage production, stage props. I was just meeting all these people. It was kind of like Dorothy on the the yellow brick road and she's meeting the 10 men and the scare that's how it was for me it's like i was meeting all these people and i was like they have got to come you know and be a part of this so we can um bring that artistry into it so when we start planning um our show last year for the fashion playhouse that's kind of how it came about it was like i want to showcase the artistry of all these people that's involved in this production i do not want it to be clothes walking down the runway and turning around. Because it, it really, it it was about the clothes, but not really. It was more about the showcase. So you don't really call your events fashion shows. They're more like a fashion event. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's called the Fashion Playhouse because a playhouse is a theater, you know. And mm-hmm, usually mm-hmm. a playhouse is somewhere where children go to play, but this is the Fashion Playhouse for adults where we can go and play, you know, like at the event that I had, um, our VIP, they I brought music in and, and live entertainment. So before they even got to see the show, they were in there partying with a live singer and a live band, you know, boozing it up, whatever they were doing in there. They were in there having a good time. Me and the models were backstage having a good time, actually. We were back there sipping and eating and sharing stories and playing the tambourine. So, you know, I just want it to be fun for everyone. I don't want it to be like, oh, I went to this show and, you know, yeah, it's over. You know, it's still they still talk about that show because they had a good time, and I'm, that's what I wanted. Now, your latest collection, Urban Prep, is fabulous and got a lot of buzz. Tell me what was the inspiration behind your latest collection. I really had the opportunity to um, travel a lot over the last year. And, you know, I went to New York and Chicago and Dallas and all these great places I was just able to travel. Well, it seemed like everywhere I was going, I kept seeing, like, graffiti. 
everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it was on trains, on bus stop benches, on the sidewalk. It was everywhere. In every city I was going to, this is all I was seeing. And I was like, these artists are really trying to like express themselves, you know, whereas someone else would say, oh, my God, they damaged a building. I'm thinking about the artistry um, because art is vulnerable, you know, and for you to share your vulnerability, even if it's on a billboard or if it's on a park bench, um, that's really where it came from. So when I started putting this collection together, I was like, you know, I kind of want to, I don't want to stray away from things I normally would do. I want to, you know, challenge myself, and I do want to be a little bit vulnerable, you know, um, and I want to put that into the collection. So for me, that's what, you know, that's how it kind of came about with the urban prep. The prep is just my technique because even when I try to get away from structure, I'm still very structured when it comes to the the technique of making garments. I'm very structured. So um, that's why it's called the urban prep. So, you know, it's kind of that city life clothes, but still I can wear it to the office. Then I can put a belt with it Mm -hmm. and wear it out, you know, so, yeah. Now, what is the size range and price point of your clothing? I make size 12 through 28. And the price point... The price point is around sixty dollars up to like some things can range from like three, three fifty, like for coats and jackets, tailored jackets. But like I have like pencil skirts and things like that that are probably I think they're like forty seven dollars, something like that. Okay. And today your garments can be found in over twenty five boutiques across the United States. Now can you name a few of them off the top of your head? Because I looked on your website, I don't think I saw a list of the boutiques. Yeah, that actually has not been updated. The boutiques that we used to work with, I've actually dissolved many of those relationships. When I first started out, uh, we probably was in a lot more boutiques than that, actually. But there was a process we went through with working with boutiques, so they had to be approved. We didn't just wholesale to everyone. And one thing I noticed with working with the boutiques is that um, some of them went into um, partnering or working, purchasing their merchandise off of, like, the dhgate.com, the overseas companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked very closely with my boutique partners, Um, You know, because I wanted to make sure they could sell the garment, you know, that they were going to purchase from me. Otherwise, you know, it just sits on the hanger. That's not the goal. So um, I noticed that when they start going to using those overseas, you know, buy a shirt for $3, that it it just didn't make sense for me to still have my clothing inside of a lot of those boutiques because if your customer is a customer who buys a shirt for $15, you're going to have a hard time trying to sell them this shirt for $70, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's just not the same person. So that's probably why you don't see on the website. It, that's actually old language on there. But, yeah, we don't – I don't know if a few of them probably still have some clothing in there, but I know I actually dissolved the majority of those relationships with um, the boutiques. Now, your company also has a pay-it-forward philosophy where you are not only known for fashion, but for your philanthropy efforts as well. Mm -hmm. So why is it important for you, and tell us some of the things that you do in the community. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to to help 
the people that are coming up behind you, even if you haven't, let's say you haven't already made it. I've only been in business for four years, so, you know, I'm not millionaire status or, you know, I'm nowhere near right. there. But um, I'm I'm very strong on my pastor and the words of my first lady of just making sure that no matter what you have, that you're constantly being a steward and you're giving and you're encouraging that type of behavior. So there's, like, organizations around here and even some, like, in the Midwest that we've helped, like, if they have um, fashion shows, we've donated, you know, money or clothing or, you know, whatever. Some One of the groups here, they were trying to um, go to New York, actually, one year to present, and we paid for their expenses to be able to go to New York to be able to present there and um, just different things. You know, I don't really advertise it. They do. You know, they'll tag me on social media and say, thank you, Lavender's Jungle, for doing this. But I don't really advertise it much because I don't do it for that. You know, I don't do it for um, to be put on a pedestal like, you know, oh, she's this great philanthropist because we do so many things. You know, my wife and I, we go, we feed the homeless here. We um, close cool. the homeless here. Um, oh, wow. You know, it's it's something that we just do regularly. We don't take pictures and say, you know, we're down here and we're doing – we just do it, you know, because um, you never know. You could be in that situation one day and you could you, – you might wish. I wish someone would bring me a pair of shoes or somebody would bring me a pair of jeans or, you know, just help me out in my hard times. And we're we're human, you know. And right. I think when we lose that human aspect and we start – getting ahead and start, um, get, you know, moving forward in our careers and we forget about the, the other people who are struggling, that's really when we start to fail. Well, that's awesome. I commend you for doing that. Um, more people should do it. So you're going to continue to be blessed. That's amazing. So it. what is the ultimate goal with your company? You're just four years in, but you've done a lot. What what mm-hmm. do you see yourself like maybe in ten more years? You know, my wife. I think she asks me this every day. Like, what do you what do you want to do? Do you want to you know go with large retail? I think initially that was the goal to really be in inside of like large retail establishment, you know, like Macy's or Nordstrom's or something like that. But you lose a lot of yourself and your company when you go that route. You know, yeah, okay, you're going to, you know, get wide exposure and all of that, but I guess it depends on what you're in the in the in the market for. Our ultimate goal is to be able to leave our children's children a legacy. You know, the the our Bible teaches us that we have to provide a way for our children's children. And if I'm I can't do that if someone else owns my name and as soon as I mm-hmm. die there's no royalties that go to my children or their children. So if the goal mm-hmm. is to leave a legacy for, you know, my, my great great grandchildren after I'm dead and gone, I have to make sure sure I make strategic moves and I still have to own my brand in order to do that. And so Really, the goal is to be able to have our own stores under our, kind of like how Lane Bryant has, you know, when they started out very small, um, mm-hmm. but to have our own stores globally um, with our own label and um, to be able to have other labels under us 
And um, yeah, and still I want to produce shows. I still I still want to be like the female Tyler Perry, uh, and produce fun shows with a full figure team and a full figure cast. You know, because it's 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 always shocking. In my last show, when I had um, a full figure pole dancer. Everyone was like, oh, my goodness, is this really happening? Is this girl really full figure? You know, is it trickery with the lights? <laughs> and I was like, no, she is actually full figure. So, you know, it's that wow moment because they think we can't do something. You know, we have this staple of we're lazy or, you know, other stigmas that they put on if you're, you know, got a little extra pounds that we can't do something. That's not true. That is just not true. We can do anything we want to do. So I still want to be able to produce and um, just have my own label throughout the world. Right, right. Now, your clothing line, are you exclusively online, or is there anywhere someone can try it on in person? Do you do pop-up shops? Can someone make an appointment with you, or is everything exclusively online? Yeah, at the moment, just because of the um, the dissolving of the relationship with so many of the boutiques, at, at first, you know, with having so many partnerships with the boutiques, you could go in at different locations. But now we are online, and um, I don't have, like, a store or anything like that. I have started doing some kind of um, uh, little pop-up shows, you know, when I go out to little shows and kind of bring some stuff for people to try on because I think that's important you know, for them to feel it and kind of know how the garment is going to work, try it on, twirl around, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, right. But right now, yeah, we're just, we're online. Okay. And tell us your official website and how we can keep up with everything Lavender's Jungle. Okay. All the social media sites that you can find out there, Twitter, Instagram, um, all that is lavendersjungle.com. So it's L A V E N D E R S J U N G L E dot com. And that's also my um that's my website, lavendersjungle.com, www. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and learning about your brand and continued success with everything you have going on. Thank you, hon. Next time we see each other in person, we're going to have to sit down and actually talk. I, we're always, like, in the same events, but never really get right. to talk to each other. <laughs> right. So well, it's a deal. It. All right. Continue <laughs> uh, success and enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thank you to our fabulous guest this evening. If you haven't already, don't forget to like our fan page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shanice Lewis Show. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to the Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com.